Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Peace. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. It's my first call, Chillicothe, Ohio. Anybody, anybody ever been to Chillicothe, Ohio? It's really Kentucky, actually, southern Ohio. All of southern Ohio. It's not the Midwest, my friends. It's a whole other universe. It's beautiful, but it ain't the Midwest. Beautiful Kentucky down there visiting a nursing home. An assisted living home was just down the road from, from the church. And so I got to go there and see and saw a couple members, and, uh, but also met other people, which I think is so important uh, for part of a church's ministry to the assisted living nursing homes because they're full not just of maybe your own members, but people kind of alone. Like, not always, but... Sometimes I definitely met people where they didn't see family or friends for a lot of reasons. There was this one woman that I got to meet through uh, another member, and she was in one of the rooms. They shared rooms. This is a, you know, a medium to a lower end uh, assisted living place. And um, she was definitely always alone. There weren't any pictures uh, near her bed. Um, and as we kind of talked, I sort of learned that... Uh, whether it was her that kind of pushed everybody away in her life over time, or maybe others and her family to her, either way, I was kind of like the only person she knew. And every time I went into there to visit her, to pray with her and just be kind, she was always next to the window in their room, every single time, looking out the window. And at these assisted living homes, a lot of times they have things arranged outside those windows. So when you're looking out the window, it's pleasant. And she had a, a little apple tree there and a bird house that birds are constantly going into in the green grass, a little picnic table, and if it was sunny out, blue skies. And I knew she was looking out that window because that window was like her only hope and life and just something to lift her spirits. She needed that window. She needed to see outside of her situation. And I hope she also needed maybe me being a window and talking to her about Christ's love for her. Do you need a window like that in your life? I'll bet John did, who wrote Revelation, the Gospel of John. Because as he tells us in the beginning of Revelation, he was not unlike this widow that I got to meet. He was alone on an island. He was exiled there because he wouldn't stop telling others that Jesus died for them, rose again, that God loves them in Christ. And so finally they had to get rid of him. Well, they, actually, I guess legend has it, Tertullian tells us this early second century A.D., Legend has it they tried to boil John, but it didn't take. 
So uh, instead, plan B, exile is what you do. Let's get you out of here and put you on an island. By the way, I hope to one day annoy you so much that you put me on an island in Greece. I'll take that. Doesn't sound so bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> you can visit this island of Patmos, but he wasn't just there hanging out. I guess he was there as a slave, so he had to work and that sort of deal. You can go there now, and they'll take you to where legend has it he stayed. Now, he was somewhere on the island, and maybe he was there. I don't, I've not looked into the evidence uh, of this being the actual place, but the cave of the apocalypse, it's, it's called apocalypse, just means revelation. And you can go there and you can see his place where he, they say he wrote revelation. And there's a window in that place. They said that he looked out and saw the glassy sea at the edge of the island and maybe longed for escape and longed for re being reunited. You see, because John was the last of the apostles. And not only was he in exile, but all his friends had died for the faith. He was alone. And I bet that wasn't the best feeling in the world. Now he's in exile. Now he's removed from his church, from his friends. It really reminds me of this woman in Chillicothe. And I'll bet the Lord not only gave him that window, that physical window to look out and have some hope, but gave him this revelation to give him some hope, to be a, a window. Because that's what revelation really is. In fact, all of God's Word is a revelation, a window to what's really going on in our lives, let alone in the future. And I'll bet John needed this. Because if you read Revelation, it's, it's definitely about a cautionary, watch out, keep the faith. But it's also a lot of, it's going to be okay. And images of a day that's coming to look forward to. And John needed that, and by seeing it, just like his own physical window, it probably empowered him to deal with the struggles of the day. Let's look what he saw at the very end. I just want to, some of the best, most beautiful images in all the scriptures, the end of Revelation, 19 to the end, chapter 21 we read earlier. And let's look at this image. Let's look at this vision that God gave him, this window. John says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's a really important teaching of Scripture. That this world that you're living in, this world is temporary. This is not forever. It's not going to keep on going on and on and on. So if you are making all your investments in this world... If you were making all, you put all your marbles and your kid is going to be a star in the MLB, or your career is the end all of all things, or whatever it is that you are putting all your attention in, if it isn't the new heaven and new earth, you're going to say goodbye to it all. This is really important, isn't it? 
The old earth and heaven will pass away. The world will end. But there is a new one that is coming. That's bad news if you're really comfortable in your world. It's good news if you're someone like this woman in the assisted living that doesn't really like this world. And as you get older and live more and more in reality, you start thinking, you know what? I don't really like this world. Maybe it's yourself. I'm tired of struggling with my sin. I'm tired of struggling with my fears or my doubts or what's the doctor going to say next? Or maybe it's I'm tired of reading the news and seeing a shooting in Buffalo or war in Ukraine or a pandemic or argument or fighting. After a while, as you get older, if you're an intelligent person, (laughs) you've been humbled by the world and yourself, and you might get a little excited, like John was, that there's a new heaven and a new earth that is coming. Praise God. So he sees this, and then it says, look at this, and the sea was no more. So new heaven and new earth, and the sea was no more. A lot of different ways you can interpret that. Literal sea, probably not, because God created the seas and lakes, etc. It's a good thing to enjoy them and go sailing or whatever you do with a lake, right? Water, all these things. But sea probably means what we think of when we look at the sea and the great ocean in the sense of magnificence yet total mystery, beauty, and almost a fearfulness, deadliness to the sea. It creates this image. You see this in Genesis, actually. It sort of separates God from man. Just the unknownness of the magnitude of who God is and how little we are before him. It could also mean the barrier between us and, and God. You see what I'm saying? It's an image that, that John gives, but it's gone. That division, that barrier between heaven and earth, gone. That's the future. And then he says this, I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. This is a constant image of the new day that's coming. Oftentimes, I think when we think of heaven, going to heaven, we usually just knee-jerk, you know, responses, grandpa's playing, he's fishing by himself, you know what I mean? Like anything they love to do, that's what they're doing. And usually it's a sense of like being somewhat alone or just with the people you like. Have you noticed this? We sort of invent anything we like, well, that's what you're doing in in heaven. And usually it's not involving a lot of people because we need peace. It's tranquil, right? Those are the images we have of kind of being by ourselves on a mountaintop. That's not the future. You by yourself. It's a city, not a small town, a city. When he writes city, police, he could have used other words. It's not a village. It is a city. It is Chicago coming down. 
People outside of Chicago, when I moved here, I don't know if you had this experience, but everyone basically said, well, goodbye, I'll see you uh, never again, because you're going to die, or, uh, you know, <laughs> people think like in Chicago, they went to Chicago, and it's all over, it's deadly, it's crazy, etc. You want to come and visit us? No. The traffic or whatever, like they're just scared of even coming. Anybody have uh, friends or family like that? Yeah. Wisconsin people, yeah. There's some truth to it. The city's crazy. It's packed full of people. It's annoying. Everywhere you go, you're running into somebody. We're so used to constant people, we don't say hi to one another because I think it's just a, you're a piece of furniture because we see people all the time. So you don't acknowledge every single doggone human being you see throughout the day because you get tired. But that also makes you even more lonely, even though it's packed full of people. It's hard for a lot of people to think of the future condition of humankind in a city. Because there's shootings, and there's fightings, and there's disagreements, and there's a need for elbow room. But what's different about this city that you're going to reside in? You're not going to be a jerk anymore. And that makes all the difference in the world. You're going to actually be someone that people want to hang out with. You are actually going to be a good neighbor, and yes, others are going to be too. The problem with the world is not scientifically and empirically overpopulation. It's not overpopulated. It's not even close. It's people. Our problems are us. The way we act, the way we talk, the little ways that we do it in our little tiny universes is just a reflection of the general gigantic problems we have, whether it's the Ukraine or, or the shooting in Buffalo. That's what people do. You are that person. That's what's wrong with the world. That's why you don't want to live in a city you don't think, because it sounds pretty awful. More pressure. More doggy dog world, more fear, more anger, more uh, whatever, political uh, uh, schisms and arguments and division. But this city will not be that. This city will not have sinners in it. Because you'll be resurrected. And the old you and the confused you and the angry you and the selfish you will be buried once and for all. And the new heaven and new earth means you. And we will get along. John, I'm sure, loved that image. Couldn't wait to see his good friends that were crucified or killed because of Christ. Or maybe just simply couldn't wait to see his mother. No more divorce, no more dysfunction or destruction or division. It sounds like a city I'd like to go to. Because we're meant to live with one another. Do you know this? We're not, to be, we're not meant to be alone off on some hillside with our own little farm. We're meant to actually hang out. God literally says, before sin, it's not good that human beings are alone and created marriage for that pers- purpose. 
John sees that vision, and I want you to see that too as you get frustrated with this city or your little city, that one day you're going to love it. And that helps us deal with the now, doesn't it? John goes on, he says, he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and look at this, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I love this. Who is the bride of Christ? It's not Mary Magdalene, although in a sense it is. It is you. When you go to a wedding, one of the most beautiful parts of a wedding is the bride. Sorry, grooms. No one's coming to look at you. No one cares what you look like. The bride comes down and everybody stands up and applauds the bride as she comes down and beautiful and everything, the hair and the dress, etc. And the groom frequently is crying. I promise you I see this. I don't make fun of him. I'm sure I cried. It's gorgeous. That's the image that John is giving us. You, sinners, broken, busted, struggling. You have been made a bride to Christ, clothed with his righteousness. That's who you are to Jesus. He cries when you walk down the altar. He's committed to you more than any spouse could be committed to a spouse. He's made a vow to you in blood and a promise and a kiss in baptism. And one day you're going to see your Savior. Isn't that a beautiful image? And John goes on here, the, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the, the, twi- the dwelling place, the tabernacle, the skene, the tent of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So John sees a vision of no more division. The sea is gone. The bride is coming down. They are together. Then it says, God will dwell with us. And he uses the same word that's used in in Exodus for the tabernacle that God creates, skene. It's just a tent. And it's funny that it's a tent because that means it's mobile. In Exodus, we see God say, I want to be with you. He says, the whole story is a love story between a, a guy that can't help loving this person that his friends are saying, you need to let her go. That's the whole Bible. Won't stop chasing you down. From Genesis to Revelation, it's a love story that ends in a marriage, a story book marriage of God not giving up not stop wanting to be with us, no matter how many times we push him away, run away, or even fall for somebody else. God on that day will be with us, and the past will be over. So John sees this, and he sees that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated in the throne said this, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
and he said, it is finished. Remember those words from the cross? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That's what John saw, and you see it too. Did you need to see that today? That beautiful day when you won't have to worry about your job, you won't have to worry about your economy, you won't have to worry about the stock market, you won't have to worry about Putin, and you won't have to worry about your uh, monster-like behavior, your sins and your struggles, your confusion, done. No more tears, no more funerals. John needed to see that. And it blessed his now. The tomorrow that he saw blessed his today. You know what I mean? If you know it's going to be okay, then you can deal with the struggle, see? If you know that your friend that you are visiting who is dying will rise again, your tears won't be quite permanent, will they? John needed that window, you do too. That future reality. It puts meaning into suffering and struggle. It puts joy and leaves joy where it's at. When you have a good day, you can actually enjoy it and not think, well, what's happening tomorrow? Because you know that eventually, tomorrow will be gorgeous. John got that window. The Lord gives us a revelation every Sunday. That's what the church service is. As we live in the world and we get bogged down, church service is directed by God to open up the window so you may see reality, and that is you're forgiven. You are a child of God. I know you don't look like it, but he says you are, and one day it's going to be okay. That's why I'm talking up here, for you to have hope. And you are called to share with one another and be windows to each other like these stained glass windows with your words and your actions let alone communion, talk about God's presence on earth now, that is today, as you eat and drink the body and blood of Christ. We step into the future every Sunday, or the future steps into us, keeps us going, keeps us faithful, keeps us encouraged. May the Lord bless St. James. May we as a whole be a stained glass window, a revelation to people in this city who are tired and hurting and broken. Through your words and your lives and through the work of St. James, may people see a better day, a God that loves them. In Jesus' name, amen.